Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode 53 of Stands and Fits presented by the Professional MBA Program at the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. What's up, Fitz? Not a whole lot, as usual. Here to join you on the podcast, though. You are here. Yes. After being delayed by a, yeah, an, an unfortunate accident on I-35. Yeah. Apparently, there was a semi-fire at one point today, and it looked like 35 southbound was all backed up. I don't know if it was still related to that, because it happened like around noon. But yeah, I had to double back and go down 69 to get here. So Nice. I knew that was coming. I'm glad you were able to make it <laughs> to the Carl Chevrolet Studios to record stands and fits with me tonight. Indeed. I'm glad to be here. Um, all right. You want to start with the Kansas game? Sure. I just got done watching the game again. Was it painful or was it, was it like, has the, the blow softened at this point where you can stomach it? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and honestly, it wasn't that bad of a no, game. No, it wasn't that bad. It was like, it was a good game. You know, I just, yeah. it was more just, I was just watching and charting things. So mm-hmm. it's just like tedious. So without spoiling anything that you were gonna you know i mean I'll, I'll say whatever i don't know it's probably not gonna okay. be like anything i'll write probably won't be that much different than anything that's so, already been said number one thing that stood out to you based on what you charted based on what i charted i i don't know i mean the charting is just to for reference points but okay. uh i mean it, it as much as anything you you can just really see that they how badly they got killed on the dribble mm-hmm. uh and then I mean, my other thing is that if there's any high school basketball coaches out there listening or, you know, AAU coaches, whatever, that have young post players, put the Diedrich Lawson film on. Because, yeah. I mean, that dude was just – he was on a whole other level yeah. in this game. And, I mean, and I think that, that you can attribute some of that to the fact that he was probably dialed in because of the fact that Iowa State had beat them so badly. He played so bad in that first game. And then – I think you could tell that he, from the way he talked in the press conference after, that he really took that West Virginia game hard mm. and was really, I mean, he was just dialed in. And, I mean, some of the shots that he was hitting, some of those hook shots, yeah, nothing you could have done any better probably to defend him. He was knocking down, you know, they're, they're killing him. They're, they're hurting him still with some of those doubles that they would send at him. They'd force him to pick up a dribble. He had a, the one time when he got a five-second call, which I can't remember the last time I saw somebody get called for a five seconds. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, uh, you know, then other times he'd get the ball before they'd even send the double when he'd put the ball on the deck, he'd catch it, he'd turn and he'd shoot and make it. And you're like, damn, I mean, what can you even do? You know, I get the sense that it was a lot like watching him do that to Iowa state would have been a lot like watching George Niang do that to a bunch of other teams. That's what I kept thinking the entire game. Yeah. Or, I mean, especially rewatching it back just the, and the moves that he was making, it's not like he was doing anything that was like remarkable as far as athleticism, athleticism or anything yeah. like that. I mean, it's him working people in with his back to the basket, scoring on hook shots and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just spin, like doing his spin moves and stuff like that. And then knocking down mid range jumpers. And then he knocks down the two, three pointers. And yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, George didn't have 15 rebounds, uh, mm-hmm. all too often. And, you know, DJ Clausen is obviously six, nine mm-hmm. and not six, seven, like George is, mm-hmm. but it it was like that's exactly what it was for the entire game where he just put on an absolute clinic of mm-hmm. footwork and touch around the rim and just he outworked Iowa State to an extent too on the the offensive glass where that really was just what kind of killed him in that sense. So I haven't been looking at mock drafts for anything other than Iowa State players. Is is he going anywhere in like the first round to your knowledge? Is he gonna, not that I be? know of? Okay. I mean, I I wouldn't. I don't think so. I don't think that. I can't imagine him going. He's a junior, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Uh I would imagine if he continues this kind of play, he would probably just go ahead and leave after this year though. He could, but I don't think he'd go in the first round. Like I don't know where he fits in the NBA, you know, yeah. cuz he's just he's like a big dude who's skilled, but he just isn't very athletic. Uh he's not that good of a defender. He can't yeah. really guard, you know, 1 through 5 like what you would really want a guy like that probably to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe he will. I don't know. We've seen George stick, obviously. Yep. And uh, I w- would not be shocked if he came back, though. And mm. that's, uh, you know, a little concerning. For Iowa State. Yeah, he might be the best player in the country next year. Yeah. Especially if he plays at that level every night. Yep. But he's just like a walking double-double. Guys, he's good. He's really good. I totally agree with your point that you made kind of leading into, into this, though, is that 
even though Iowa State couldn't stop Dedrick Lawson, I think the biggest issue was the the lack of dribble pen dribble or, penetration defense. Yeah. And yeah, I mean you can Dedrick Lawson goes for 29 points, you still lose by four, you mm-hmm. know? Like he could go for 29 points and Iowa State could win. There yeah. there will be games where he like I wouldn't be shocked if in the NCAA tournament they play against a team where he goes for 29, 30 points and they lose. Yeah. You know? And that's just that I mean, partially part of that is just a product of the kind of guy that he is, you know, because of the just the style that he plays with. Mm-hmm. And another part of it is the it they have not consistently gotten contributions like that from other guys on the team. Yeah. You know, I mean, what did Marcus Garrett end up with? 20 something, 22, I think. A lot. Yeah. He was, he was their main source of and that's what driving. That's one of the things every time he'd score, I would, I and then go back and watch because he's the one that really killed him because mm-hmm. what he was getting was too easy. Like yeah. Lawson had to work for his 29, you know, yep. and Garrett was just like, he was getting a full head of steam to the rim going the same way, basically every single time. And he still would get there every time and he, and he score. And no one on Iowa state's defense on the perimeter could stop him either. No, it wasn't it, like he was taking advantage of some weird, like weird mismatch or anything right. like that. And that's largely what I'll end up writing about is to give, you know, cause we talked to Steve Prom today and, uh, and he just hammered that home again. He's like, we didn't guard the dribble at all. And you know, like those clips, like really hammer that home where you look at it and you're like, man, like yeah. he was, they were letting him get a full head of steam. And it's just because of the fact that they're, I don't know if it's laziness or you're just like not dialed in or yeah. what the deal is. But with that guy, he is in no way a threat to shoot the ball mm-hmm. from any sort of distance. He's literally doing one thing. And early on in the game, Fran Fraschilla even noted it. He said, uh, he's like, he's averaging 18 a game in his last two games and all of it is downhill. Yeah. And that's literally all he did the entire game. I don't remember him taking a single shot from outside the painted area. And it's, kind of, it's kind of tough though, because like in, in traditional sense, you you think when you don't want to guard a guy at the three-point line, you can kind of like sag off, you know? Yeah. But if you give him too much cushion, then it allows him to get that that speed going downhill too. Well, and that's what where I give uh I give Bill Self some credit because of the fact that he really spaced Iowa State out and like really spread the floor mm-hmm. to where he was getting room to operate. And when those guys would go under screens or the way that they were switching, uh, he would have space to be able to get going downhill before um, they would even really be able to recover. Mm-hmm. And at that point, yeah, you like you want to sag off on that guy. You don't. He's in no way a threat to to shoot, but at the same time, you need to get enough enough into him to where you can cut him off before he gets at full speed or before he is able to put his shoulder down and get past you, yeah. you know, and they weren't able to do that the entire game. And yeah. that's just, you know, it it's tough because and especially once a guy gets rolling like that and he starts to get confident, then all of a sudden you're like, you're really in a, in, a, in a tough spot, you yeah. know, and. I don't remember him ever passing, you know, like mm-hmm. passing out off of one of those things. No. Uh, well, that's was, the thing. Like, there, there wasn't a whole lot of driving kick situations for KU. No. It was all just him. Yeah. Just him Taking creating, creating for himself. And so then you get that from him. But Gerald Vick does enough. You know, he knocks down a couple threes. He got to the rim at least once that I remember. Uh, and then Agbaji comes in. I'll give that kid one thing. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised, honestly, that he didn't play at the start of the season. That I think that that's kind of a, a – I think that they probably realized that that was a bad choice. And I don't know maybe what he was like when he got there, but uh, that kid's good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lot better than some of those other guys that they throw out there, like Grimes and yeah. uh, and Charlie Moore, who yeah. were both supposed to be huge pieces of the team. I don't think either one of those guys are that good. He's got a nice jump shot for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that kid comes in. And right away he starts firing, man. Like I looked at Aaron Marner from the, the daily when we were sitting up there at the game, and I was like, "Hey, man, I give this kid one thing. He comes in, he's not afraid to shoot that, like shoot that thing. Yeah, uh, he's he's firing it up. You know, he's gonna make sure that you know that he's out there. He's got that KJ Blueford mentality. Well, in his <laughs> in his first stretch, he had like he hit a three. He got to the rim. He traveled twice. Mm. Uh, he got 
some rebounds, and he, I think he had three fouls. And I was like, man, you sure as hell know that he's filling it up. Like, yeah. you, not all the statistics that he's filling up are, are ones that you necessarily want him to, but he sure fills up the stat sheet in but, some way. Yeah, you can just basically describe him as active. Yeah. He's an active player out right. on the floor. He, he comes in, and right away you're like, oh, Bogbaji's out there now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, like, with Lawson, he'd go through stretches where, uh, you know, like he'd score three times in a row, mm-hmm. and then he wouldn't score for six minutes. You yeah. know, and that's where where I say like he could have a huge game because it's like he scores all of his points in like in stretches. Yeah. You know, and that. Yeah. And there were very few jump shots that he missed too. like we, I don't, saw, we saw some of them in Ames where he just like was just just enough off that yeah. it, it benefited Iowa State. But he made a lot of really tough shots. He was 13 to 17, I think, from the field. And I'm pretty I'd I, have to look at it again, but at least at least twice the his missed shots were off of his own times where he tried to tip it in and then had to go up and grab it again and put it back up. Yep. And it was that kind of thing. And it wasn't like him shooting a shot and missing. Yeah. I I maybe remember one time where he was shooting a shot and actually missed. Yeah. Like I said, the dude was just dialed in. Like that was just one of those nights where you just, you tip your cap to that guy because he's an All-American. Yeah. Like, and that was just like, man, that guy is on, on one tonight. So while I, on one hand, it's it's tough to to think that, wow, Iowa State lost because they couldn't stop dribble penetration and this other guy on Kansas just went off yeah. in Dietrich Lawson. On the, but then again, you come back and you think, oh, if we're going to play them in the Sprint Center in the, in the Big 12 tournament, those are two things that theoretically won't go as well for Kansas the third time around. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to hope so. Like, I don't think Iowa State lost the game because of the way they handled Dedrick Lawson. Like I said, no. I, that's not the way the reason they lost the game. I think the reason they lost the game, one, is because of the way that they handled Garrett. Two, because of the way that they um, – I, I think Dotson played a r- much better game than what he did in the first one. That yep. kid is going to be good. Uh, it, it's just it's taking him some time, I think, to get up to speed. Um, he sort of reminds me of a young Frank Mason in a way. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking. He's going to be in that same mold. Yeah. Uh, he he probably will be another guy that I can't imagine him. He'll be here probably at least two or three years. Mm. But like by the time he's done, we're going to be like, God damn it. Yeah, like this <laughs> exactly. Kid, this guy. Yeah. Uh, but he, I think that he played a big uh, part in why Kansas won the game. And then the other thing is that when Kansas started to really put pressure on Iowa State, they did not handle that very well. You know, like they started to get really physical with them, mm. uh, on, with Iowa State defensively. So Iowa State's offense, I guess. Yeah. And that stretch where Kansas goes on a 14-0 run, and Iowa State, I think, was already Iowa State was in the bonus, like at the like right at the beginning. There, I think they had six fouls probably with 10 minutes left, something like that. I'd have to go back and look again, yep. but it was something like that. And um, and then. They completely stopped attacking the rim. I mean, here I've got the, I've got it. It's okay. like they, when the run started, uh, yeah, Garrett got a bucket off of a missed three. Then Lindell missed a shot at the rim that if I remember correctly was like a, was a bad shot. Just like he drove the lane and was out of control and just kind of threw the ball up in the air. Yeah. And then Vic got fouled, made two free throws. THT missed a step back three. Then they got the lob that yep. was ridic- kind of, ridiculous and kind of blew the roof off the place. Yeah, the turning point in a way. Yeah, uh, and that gave them the lead. When Shyock missed a three, Lawson scores in the lane. Uh, Lindell misses two free throws. Garrett gets to the rim. Nick misses a three. Lindell turns it over. KJ Lawson scores in the lane. THT, I think, made one of – I think he made one of two. Maybe. Okay. I can't remember for sure. Uh, and then Dotson missed a layup, and then Shock went to the free throw line, and then that was the next media break. And there, now all of a sudden you go from where you were up three at the, me- at the media break or at the like, previous timeout mm. to actually up six, I guess, technically, uh, at right after that to then when the next media break hits, you're down eight. Yeah. And, it's, and you took – one, two, three, four, four three-pointers, and twice Lindell missed two free throws, and I think THT missed the front end of another free throw. If I remember correctly, I'd have to look yeah. back at it, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. 
No, no, that's yeah, he missed the front end. Yeah. So then that's when they got into the bonus was at eight twelve. So and a lot of time where they couldn't really foul without giving up points. Yeah. And on. yeah. And they had in that time where you were like right on the edge of getting the bonus, you missed four three pointers. Yeah. Where you should have probably been in attack mode. And they kind of just like got passive mm-hmm. for a second. And then you start to attack the rim again, and all of a sudden you get right back into the game, you yeah. know, but it was just, I think you really saw where they got physical. Our state kind of got rattled and yep. then it got really loud in there and they just kept to get like kept being rattled. And then the next time you get the timeout, you're down eight and then you come right back out and then you're right back in the game after yeah. a minute or two. And it seems just like this team, for whatever reason, goes through those stretches of four or five minute, mm-hmm. no scoring droughts. And I don't know why that is. And it's like always at the same time. Yeah, it's always in the second half, like just midway through the second half, and it kind of kills them. Yeah. Well, it's it's like I, I you almost think if they get a lead or something, and then they're just like, okay, they, they now almost, we they can almost, coast a little bit. Yeah. And, and I mean the like thts thts three that he missed that ended up turning into the lob. That one. <laughs> I think it's partially because of the fact that he had made basically the same move on the other side and he made it. Yeah. And then it was like, oh yeah, I got him again. And then he just like, it, it, it was ba- no <laughs> offense really. And then it turned into a long rebound and then you all of a sudden are off and running the other way. And then the other ones were like Nick missed one. That was just, a, uh, I think it was in transition and he just didn't look like he really wanted to shoot it that bad. Yeah. Another one I think was at the end of a shot clock. Like it was just, it wasn't very good offense for a stretch. And they kind of just got thrown off, like I said, by the fact that Kansas got really physical there for a stretch. And mm-hmm. you kind of had to dial back in, you know. And yeah. Like it, the unfortunate thing about playing in that building is you don't get very many opportunities to go and sit down and dial back in. No. If you, if you make mistakes, usually it compounds into two or three more mistakes. Yeah, and that's what makes it so hard to play there, man, is it's like it just – once it gets rolling, it it is so hard to stop, you know. Yep. And it – I I wrote this in my thing after the game, and uh, I mean I've said this I think I've said this before sometime, but um, to like truly understand what it's like, like how hard it is to be there, you have to be there. You yeah, know, I and do like, really want to go sometime. And, and ex- that was my second time, and the first time I would say, I mean it was a good game, but they weren't in it. In mm-hmm. the same way, like where you had like a two minutes left, and it's like they could still win. Yeah, like, it, you knew pretty well. Probably the uh, we knew pretty well. Like the under four, probably weren't going to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time it was like the I don't know. I mean, I got a headache during the media break uh, after during a timeout, like after the lob when they took the lead, and it was just absolute pandemonium through the entire break. And then when Lawson hit the three at the end. Again, it was just like absolute pandemonium. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they had like a decibel meter that they'd show up on the video board. But yeah. the guy that controlled the video board was like right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I could see the decibel meter all the time. And at the beginning of the game, before tip off, it got to 120. And 120 is like what, yeah. from what I remember, like Pete Hilton gets to like 125, maybe 130. Yep. Like at its very, very peak. You know, some of those Fred years where mm-hmm. it was like, the when people are waiting all the way around the building to get in line like those kind of games yep uh those ones it was it could get to like 130 mm. but like this was at 120 before tip and after the vic dunk i think it hit 135 like it, if it didn't i'd be surprised yeah the whole building was shaking so then out of curiosity just never been there before like do what does KU do during timeouts do they have advertisements and stuff like Iowa State does or do they like do a pretty generally good job of like keeping the crowd pumped up throughout a media break the thing that they do dude is they play their like if those speakers go any louder I mean it it would literally probably make your head explode yeah you know it's like I said I mean it gives you a headache like you sit there and it's just like oh my gosh like it's I just want it to be quiet so so it's while it's loud, like they just basically they have their, their and sound they play system their music as up. loud as possible, and it's just like they just keep it jacked up. So it's not know? necessarily like the crowd is that much louder, right? It's just the, the well, whole sound. It's system. both. Like it's the crowd, and the thing that makes it so crazy is that like without the crowd, is that um, just the way the building is built. There's no seats, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all benches, yep. so it's just all metal. Everybody's just packed in, like 
sardines. Yeah. Because like in Hilton, there's the upper deck and all that stuff. Like, no, it's just like one room. Like imagine a huge high school gym. That's what this is. Mm. And it's just like straight up on every end. Yeah. And uh, so it's just like that. And then the ceiling is made of metal. <laughs> so then it bounces back down off of the ceiling. Yep. And it's just like complete reverberation, like through the entire, this room that should not probably have 16,000 people inside of it. And they're all just screaming at the top of their lungs. And yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. It honestly I'm, sounds like a blast as a college basketball fan. Dude, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Like it's, it, it is one of those things, like I said, like if you are a college basketball fan, you, ha- you need to experience it. Yeah. And I mean, after the game, I'm sitting there and it's like, I've been to a lot of sporting events and I've like, been in a lot of great atmospheres, but it's like, I don't know if there's anything that is more just like disorienting than what this is Mm. because hilton obviously gets really loud and it's really crazy but this like physically makes you like ill where Mm. you're like like oh like i can't even think straight right now you know and it you know obviously it's all in in favor of kansas but it almost even makes you wonder if if their own players like realize oh i i would think it has to be a major adjustment you know to like go into that and start playing there Mm. because it's just like it it's hard. I mean, I'm working and I'm just like, man, like I can't handle this. Yeah. You know, it makes you like, it makes you nervous, like makes you sweat. And like, I'm like, man, like, I, I don't know. Mm. It just gets you worked up. And that's what, and it's so like Jeff was going on this diatribe one day about home field advantage and all this stuff. And like the things, like the aspects of it that create a good home field or home court or whatever. And it's like proximity is one of them. Yep. So it's like how close you are to the playing surface. Everyone's right on top of the floor. Yep. Uh, it is like how many people are there? There's sixteen thousand people packed into this tiny building, and then uh, it's like something about acoustics or something like that. And like I said, the acoustics are from the like the '30s or whatever when the building was built. Yeah, and not sound absorbent at all. It, not sound absorbent at all. No, no. And then they play the music as loud as possible, and it's just like you can't hear anything. Yeah. So it, I don't know. Like I said like tv does it justice in a sense mm. because you can tell you could tell it was really loud yeah you know like there was points where it's like you can't hear the announcers hardly yep. i just like i said i just got done watching but it's like like still until you're sitting in it and you're like oh my gosh like uh, this is crazy then that's when you're really like yeah like this is why it's like on a whole other level than other places another thing i really appreciate about alan Fieldhouse is that their students are always like they're, they're when they're jumping they're actually jumping yeah like because I, I feel like cycling alley has kind of gotten away from that well recently. That's, a, that's one thing like about that i think is an advantage to their student section in a sense is that they don't have seats mm. you know i mean you do it's a bench yeah but it's like you're just like standing on a bench you mm. know and in hilton like you have the seats in your way and like all kinds of stuff like that and it's like that it's a lot more room to just be crazy yeah. in, in there than there is in Hilton. It probably fuels the mindset that, you, you know, you don't feel like you have your own, your own space. Like yeah. you're just all part of one atmosphere. Right. And it's like Hilton is a, just an exponentially bigger building than what that building is. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it seats, you know, fewer people. Yeah. So that just like, I don't know. And it's, it, a lot. it's just a place that you walk into and like the first time you walk in and you like see everything and it's like just you think about all the times you've seen it on TV and all this stuff. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like this is pretty cool, you know? And it's like everything that uh, Kansas football is not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they sucked up all their good stuff that they could have put into football and just put it all into basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's basically exactly what it is. Like when yeah. you, you look at Kansas and it's like, how is this like big time football? Mm. You know, like this is as far as you could be like if you this is as far as you can get from big time football while still technically being big time football you yeah. know but then when you go there you look at the wall and you see you see Chamberlain and Carlson and Heinrich and Manning and Chalmers mm-hmm. and you know like all the all the names of like the some of the greats of all time then you look there's the five national championship banners even though two of them I am now disputing <laughs> you because contend. Yeah. I, I'm contending a little bit yeah. because of the fact that they happened before the NCAA tournament even existed yep and then it's like the you know, the pay heat all who enter thing. And you're like, man, okay, that's cool. Now this is like, now you're like in a historic place, you know? Yeah. And my only regret is I still have not gotten to see the, the rules. Uh, and that's as much as anything, just because I want to go and see them, you know, yeah. like just being a, are they like in a person in a side, like display exhibit thing or what? the building is connected. I know. Um, 
it's I don't but I've when I get there like I'm not in the mode where I'm like oh man I need to go and see the rules yeah. so I never I haven't really had a chance to like explore in I wonder, that sense I wonder if you can go like take a peek sometime when you're just over there covering a football game or something yeah I I will get there at some point mm-hmm. um it's just because yeah I really want to I really want to see those mm-hmm. just for the fact that you know I'm a huge basketball fan mm-hmm. and I think that I'm sure there will be people that are like, oh, just slobbing all over the Allen Fieldhouse knob on this podcast. But it's like too much Kansas love. Well, no, it's just it's like for the the perspective, you mm. know, it's like yeah. it's an experience. And you, you can still hate them while respecting them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been in, you know, I've been in now. I've been there, been to the Octagon. Uh, obviously, Hilton. Mm-hmm. I went to Mizzou last year. Uh, been to GIA yet? Grab, no, no. That's like <laughs> I feel like that'd be even the furthest end of the spectrum from nowadays uh, as a pair from compared to what it would have been. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, back before they renovated it and everything. Um, okay, so I guess it's been it's just those three, okay. but and then Mizzou and then I uh, Carver too. Yep. Plus Hilton. Uh, but that one is like just in pure atmosphere. It is Allen Fieldhouse and Hilton. And then Mizzou that one day because of the fact it was Michael Porter Jr.'s debut. Uh, technical debut. Yeah. And like a, it was supposed to be like the re- resurgence of Mizzou basketball starting. And then uh, the Octagon, at least when I was there, and then Carver is even last. And it's like, and I've two of the three times I've been there, Iowa beat Iowa State. Yeah. And it's just because it's like those other ones are in Iowa State and Hilton or, or Iowa State and Allen Fieldhouse are so much above all of them that mm-hmm. it's not even funny mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know i think they're i think they're gonna be okay i think so too before we move on from the the ku game do you want to touch on wigginton i know everyone is kind of like wondering what's going on with him what are your thoughts yeah i mean i i'm more in the middle you know mm-hmm. i don't know like i'm not on the person i'm not somebody that's like uh, there was a point in the game where I felt like he really had not played well and like he had, it was hard. I felt like it was going to be hard to put him back out there just because it didn't seem like his night, you yeah. know, he just was really struggling. Yeah. And uh, you put like, they put him back out there. He played a little bit better in that stretch. Like he had some flashes of really good moments, but it was still just like, man, like at this point in the game, you feel like you need somebody out there that's going to make a shot. <laughs> And it'd, just be, and it'd just be a steadying presence yeah. too. Cause I yeah. feel like, I feel like he was just out of himself at times. Yeah. He was a little bit too out of control for what you need to win in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. In my opinion. And, but I mean, like he's a, still a hell of a player. Re, oh no. And it's, it's I mean, nothing not like that. Not, like rewatching yeah. the game. It's like, he played fine. You know, he was not terrible. He didn't play well, but he, by no means was he like the reason they lost the game or anything like that. Yeah. That but was, that was on the defensive end. At, at the end of the day though, like you need, you need that guy to go better than one for eight, you know? Yep. And some of the looks that he's getting, he had three looks in the first half from the, from three wide open. You have to make one like yeah. it. And, and it's just like the guy is too good, you know? And when you're that open, it's just like, man, like there has to be an expectation to where if you get that shot. You're going to make it, yeah. you know? And right now I'm not sure that he has that. And I, I don't know if he's like lost his confidence or what the deal is, but he just doesn't look like the same guy in that sense. Mm-hmm. And the shots all are close. It's not like he's throwing them 10 feet over the rim or anything like that. Yeah. But right now, that's what I was feeling. I was just like, man, like, I, I don't know how you can justify putting him back out there because he's not making any shots and he's not defending very well. And regarding the confidence thing, that's kind of the question is, do you do you put him back in the starting lineup with the the thought that maybe that'll be what it needs to, you know, get him back on track with the mindset that I'm I'm a starter? See, and maybe that's what it is, is he's a guy that it takes him a while to warm up. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what his shooting regimen is, like what it takes for him to really feel like he's in his zone. Mm-hmm. And it takes him five or six shots, like before he really finally feels like he's dialed in mm-hmm. and then he's got to come in and fire some up. And then I think in a couple games, we've seen where the first one he made was right at the end of the game. Yeah. By then it's his fifth or sixth shot. And he's obviously warmed up, even though he's been back to the bench, he's like, your body is warm and you're like ready to go, you mm-hmm. know? But I I know he even mentioned like, it's weird when for him, where when the game is about to start warmups end, and you go and you sit down and you get cooled, like you just cool off, you know? Yeah. And you get tight and it's like, 
and then all of a sudden you got to do it again. And maybe it would be better for him to to come in as to start the game and not have to worry about that buffer period. But yeah. I don't know. Like until we see him do it, you know, at this point you don't you don't know. And even if you do, I mean, I, I, I would be in favor of trying it for the Ole Miss game just because, you know, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things that much. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you if you do it, no matter what the result is, you can't really just say that's definitive. Like you have to see it over the course of a few games, too. Right. So and there's some guys that like that's just the way that they play best, you mm-hmm. know, is just to come off the bench. I mean, Ty, like Tyrus. Yeah, he was one of those guys. Was there any doubt that Tyrus was probably one of Iowa State's five best players that year? You know, yeah. The, I mean, he was definitely their best shooter, no doubt. Yeah, but what, so but when he came in the game, like he he took pride in the fact that when he came in the game, it's like I'm going to be the burst of energy. Yeah, you Instant know, offense. Yeah, and he'd come in and he'd start to fire shots up, and it and he he just flourished like in that scenario. Yep. And not everybody is that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's just part of the balancing act of being a coach. Mm-hmm. That, it, which is, is why it's interesting just to see the way that this whole situation is handled. Yeah. So well, I, I think it is apparent that Lindell obviously is not necessarily playing at what we think he should be playing at as far as level goes. But at the same time, it's not as bad as many people are trying to make it seem. No, it's I mean, like I said, I think it's more in the middle. Yeah. I don't think that there's either. I, I think there's more gray area to it than there is. Yeah. Black or white. He's not shooting the ball well. Like that's. That's, and, de- that's know, one you definitely can if point he, out. If he breaks out of the shooting slump and all of a sudden, get, you know, the averages revert to the mean, then yeah. he could go on a super awesome hot streak. Well, and it's like what Kirk said in the thing that me and him did. The it, I think he needs like four makes and then all of a sudden he's back at 40%. Yeah. You know, so it's like you, it wouldn't be that tough for him to get there, but it just, he's got to get hot like he's, and he's got to be able to knock down some shots. Otherwise, if he's not going to defend very well, then it's, it's hard to... Justify. justify him being out there yep you know mm-hmm. and i'm not saying you take him out or anything like that because obviously you can't you're not going to do that the guy's too good mm-hmm. uh but he shows flashes like as a distributor he had a couple plays where he made really nice passes. he made some real nice passes yeah yeah under the, and yep. so he makes up for it in other ways but he has to figure out a way to keep doing that you know in order to keep himself on the court sometimes yep all right uh anything else from the kansas game you want to talk about i don't think so I think okay. that was good. Okay. Um. All right. Do you want to do mailbag or do you want to do uh? You want to talk about those football games first? Real briefly. I don't know. Did you watch either of them? Yeah, I watched both of them. Of course, we're talking about the NFL conference championship games. Yeah. Um. So the big thing about the Saints game, Saints versus Rams, was the the non call pass interference. Yeah. And you know that's I mean I feel like that's probably been dissected about seven billion times by now since it's yes. like the biggest topic in sports. I'm assuming you and Jeff covered that on football ran things. We really didn't. We talked more about the Chiefs game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but the what do you think about uh, the Saints? The, like the Saints, <laughs> the the guy trying to sue the NFL. Huge overreaction. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. It absolutely sucks, and it was the incorrect call. But to take it that far is just kind of embarrassing, honestly. I just don't know what you can do. Yeah. I mean, think. There's no way that they how bad that it would, game. Think how bad it would be if they did say we're going to come back, like we're going to replay it. You know, I mean, that would be as. That would make it seem like it's collusion against the Rams in a way. One and either way, everybody's going to be like, they're colluding against the Saints. You know, like yeah. all this stuff. Like, no, probably not, man. Like, I think somebody just messed up. You know, and the thing, I think the best thing that could come from it is that they just, they end up reviewing things and, uh, make some changes to the rules where maybe there's somebody in the booth, like in the booth who can, uh, uh, who can signal down and say, Hey, you missed one. That's, that's a flag, you know, and like throw that flag. And I would love to see that. I, cause if, if they would have thrown the flag, then, you know, you can, once you throw the flag, you can, you can review it and you can take it away. But you, you can't do it where they don't throw a flag and then they review it and then they add a flag. That's impossible at this current point. It's another moment where I think that you have to you can make a very good case for the fact that the officials should, on some extent, have to talk to the media or have oh, yeah. to answer some questions. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I still don't think that the NFL has any way tried to justify that play. No. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can like you. If you come out and you say you got it wrong and it's like, we got it wrong, then 
forever, like that will be the the thing that's remembered about the Rams going to the Super Bowl. Uh, and the thing, okay, like the whole the whole officials addressing the media thing, I wouldn't even want necessarily require it be like a press conference. It could no. just be a written statement after the game. This is why we made this call. We'll this. have them talk to the pool reporter. It's the same way yeah. it is in college basketball. Yeah, where the uh, the uh, the official has to talk to the pool reporter, and that's it. And it's like you get it's basically about the one thing, you know. Yeah. And if the pool reporter requests to talk to the officials, then they can ask them and say what happened on that one play that was obviously so crucial to the game, then they can explain what they saw. And if you, if they explain what they saw, then leave it at, at that. At that point, it's like, okay, well, what can you do? Like it's over yeah. now, you know, but we like still now we don't even know what they even could have possibly seen yep. on the play that made them think that it was not pass interference. I don't know if they thought that the ball got there at the same time, but if you watch it even live, you can clearly see that it didn't get there at the same time. And I know there was a rumor going out there that one official may have thought that the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage, in which case, like, it's free for all at that point. And that, if that's the case, then you, then yeah. that's where, again, it, I think it's better for you to come out and say, this is what the official saw yep. or thought that he saw. And if, and then if that is, again, the case, which I actually think that can be reviewed mm-hmm. if the ball was tipped. Yeah. I'm, I don't know for certain, but I, I do think that it can. I believe you're right. And uh, if that's the case, then again, they, then that's the point where someone needs to make some sort of statement and say that this is what had happened. Yep. Cause they, they, they could review it, but at the same time they can only review it if they throw the flag, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So that's, that's See, and the in difference. that, in that case, why on a play like that, like throw the flag yeah. and, and might, might as well review it and get it right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if you think that it's because the ball was tipped, then review it. And if it's not tipped, then you got it right. Yep. And if you if it isn't tipped, like you still got it right. The play was that egregious, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I don't know, like if it's tipped, you pick up the flag and and you move on. Yeah. And but at this point, I don't know, like the NFL is going to have a serious problem mm-hmm. with that because that is not going to go away as long as they don't address it. Yeah. So part of me kind of felt bad for the Saints just because Drew Brees is probably one of my favorite players. Just I feel bad for Drew Brees. I don't feel bad for no, New Orleans Saints. and that's where, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. Everyone else in the Saints, besides AJ Klein, oh, yeah, I, AJ I, don't, Klein. I don't care about, like, because you know, of the whole the 2009 right. NFC Championship game. And Sean Payton, like, how can anybody feel bad for Sean Payton? No, no, I don't feel bad for him If you're not a Saints fan. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why, to an extent, too, like, the only people that are fired up about it are Saints fans. Yep. Because everybody's like, Yo, y'all kind of like made your bed, you know, <laughs> you haven't done anything to really want the public to be behind you. Yeah. And like ever since they won the Super Bowl, it's only been things that like would make people not like them. I feel like besides the fact that Drew Brees is just like a phenomenal human being. Man, I just would love if Drew Brees would go somewhere else to finish his career. Just be on a... Don't think he will. No, I don't his think career's he probably he's, almost over. He's gonna, yeah. If I, I would thought that if he would have won the Super Bowl this year, he probably would have just straight retired after after winning yeah so that's fair we'll see uh i think the and then the chiefs won i mean it's the same thing yeah <laughs> the, the the overtime stuff yeah and i mean on the bright side maybe the fact that the games ended this way will mean that we get some positive changes yep uh but it's like it is what it is like the, what can you do about it right now like and you, you don't necessarily have to go with the college overtime rules but at the same time even if the first team does score a touchdown like the patriots did you should still give the other team's offense a chance to match it with a touchdown of their own. Yeah. Well, and why not even do it where it's like you start at a certain point on the field and then you just go, Yeah. you know, and you go from there and you have to go for two. And until it's until somebody either doesn't get the two point conversion or doesn't score, then the game doesn't end. You can't kick field goals or something like that. I would love to see that. Yeah. It's It's like the only thing you can do is score touchdowns and then you have to go for two and that's it. Mm. And then it's 11 on 11 and you know, at that and then it's over yeah at the same time you wonder if if it would have been reversed the chiefs would have won the the toss and they would have scored first in overtime would anyone have been complaining yeah probably because of the fact then that it would have been like oh the nfl doesn't want brady to go to the super bowl again well, and all this patriots, stuff. they want they patriots want Mahomes fans to go. would have yeah well yeah see i think i think you know everyone was rooting for the saints who, who again aren't patriots fans so i think or the chiefs or, yeah, excuse yeah. me, the Chiefs. Everyone was rooting for the Chiefs. So the fact that there were so many neutral observers rooting for the Chiefs. That's what made it. Kind yeah. of swung it in that direction. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of, I think both of them is just like, it is what it is. And like. 
It's just funny to it's see really the, all there is to it now, you know? Yeah, it's funny to see the NFL have to go through both of these kind of controversies on yeah. one of their biggest weekends of the year. Well, and the one thing that I will say for Kansas City is that they're going to be back. Like, oh, yeah. I, that, that team will be back. Yeah, they just need some, this, need some defensive help, but other than that, the, that offense is still stacked. Right now today, I would pick the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl next year. I think I would too. Because just because now they've got that experience and they bring back most everybody. Yeah. Like I think that team is gonna be stupid good next year. And Tom Brady is not getting any younger at this point. Right. And and with Brady, like even th- even then, like they're gonna come back after the way that game ended. They'll have a chip on their shoulder. And now they've all how many guys that even played in an AFC championship game on that team? Had one? I I mean, yeah. if they if they have, like it's maybe one or two, yeah. you know. And then everybody else is just guys that have been with the Chiefs the whole time. Yeah. So it they're going to come back with a vengeance next year. Yeah. For sure. They'll come back with a chip on their shoulder. Like, all right, now we're not the new team anymore. And like, now we're going to be the big daddies. The, yeah. The bullies. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do the mailbag real quick. All right. Mailbag questions. We'll start with a question from Mossy Fox. <laughs> with Coach Shielhaas not coaching the running backs anymore, do you think that will have an effect on Brees Hall or Jarrell Brock? No. Because he'll still be on the staff. Agreed. And I don't think, I think their, their staff has so much unity like, yeah. and, and they're all on the same page that it's not really going to skip a beat at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see it being a problem. I figured I'd include that because you'd probably have more insight on the coaches. than Well, I, I think Tom Manning's going to be the running backs coach. So running a coordinator or something yeah, like that, which he? basically yeah. means he'll be the running yeah. backs coach. So uh, we all so, trust him. Yeah. I think that, I think that they'll be fine. And uh, I actually think that this could be a good move for Shieldhouse too. So mm. there you go. Another uh, duty for him to do. All right. Trigger MV asks, what is your favorite movie of 2018? And I did answer this in my mailbag. Uh, I enjoyed the Would You Be My Neighbor uh, yes. about Fred Rogers. That was a great one. I can't believe it didn't get nominated for Best Documentary. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a tragedy. Disgusting oversight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one was really good. Um, I know some people didn't like the new Fantastic Beasts, but I did. Mm. I thought that I was awesome. Too. Um, I was surprised the critics bagged on it so much. Like I, I, I understand and I, I re- recognize some of their arguments, but at the same time, I, I was entertained. I and, think the thing that that people were able to bag on it for is just, or why they did, partially is because one, there, there was a lot of stuff in there that it's like if you didn't read the books or something, like you might not be able to pick up on it. You mm-hmm. know, like you don't know the whole Dumbledore and Grindelwald like backstory and like what yeah. all that stuff means. And it was just like it was the second movie in a five movie series. Like you, at yeah. some point you had to know there was going to come a point where it probably wouldn't stand alone on its own that well. They have to, they have to stretch it out. A well, little yeah. Bit. And it, the, there has to be some level of like bridging to the climax points. And it's like the second movie probably isn't going to be a climax point, you yeah. know? And it's like, I mean, think about the Harry Potter movies. Like the first one is good, obviously, but it was like, it was new. It was like a new thing yep. if, if you hadn't read the books. And then the second one is another good one, but it's like it, in the moment, you didn't realize like what it really meant to the entire series. Yeah, the third one is is really the same way, and then the fourth one again, it like hits a peak. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that the third movie will probably be a huge peak. There will be something that will happen that will feel like a turning point in yeah. the whole series, and yeah. then it'll be like then the third, the fourth one again will be a similar, where it's like a bridge to then in the fifth one is like the climax of the whole thing. Yeah. you know, and it's like that's where. It, how it kind of has to happen. Sometimes. It is strange to think about that. We have three more of those movies to go though. I don't know why that's just, that just seems strange to me. It's strange. I think because of the fact that you don't, we don't know anything about, I mean, we know like a basic, some basic components of the story, Yeah. but you don't know, like, like with the Harry Potter movies, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, it, you had to wait for the movies to come, but it's just like, at the, you already knew what was going to happen when you went and saw the movie. Yeah. But with these, you're like, I don't know like what happened during this time. You, mm. like, like I said, you know, some basic framework stuff, but it's just like, other than that, it's like a whole new story. You're mm. like, man, how are they going to like, what, how's this all going to work? How's this whole story going to happen? Yeah, for sure. So then would, would you say that that was your, your favorite or would you, or is one of them? Okay. I didn't see that many movies last year. Mm. Like that's the thing. Another one that I enjoyed was get out. Or excuse me, not not get out. Uh, that was my favorite movie of twenty seventeen. That was two thousand seventeen. Uh, uh, I was thinking, oh, what was it? The one with John Krasinski. I can't for whatever reason. A Quiet Place. Oh yeah, early, yeah, early in the that year. One. That that one was very good. I haven't seen that one. I, don't uh, know why I said Get Out. Creed Two was good. I yep, like that, that was one. Good. Uh, what else? Man, I didn't see. I just didn't see very many movies last year. Uh, Infinity War came out. There's just another 
Not my blockbuster. Thing. Um, yeah, I didn't even see it. Trying to think if there were. Any. I still haven't even seen Black Panther. It seemed like. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that that was good. That blows my mind though that that's up for like Oscar noms the way it is. Uh, I think that yeah. I know. I know. There's the whole well, and I, you know, it was a great movie. Like, yeah. It definitely probably deserves it. I, like I said, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, I posted in the forums like it, it had a really good story, and I, I liked all the cultural aspects of it. And then I'm glad they went down that route. I also did not like though that. Like I thought some of the CGI, which often gets bagged on in a lot of movies, the CGI was not very good in that movie. I just think that no, nah, this might be a whole other thing. Just some the Academy sometimes will do that where they'll just like you can tell that they're doing something for the sake of trying it's, to it's look fan service. To look, yeah, to try and look good. Yeah. You know? And like I said, I haven't seen Black Panther, so mm-hmm. I don't know that for certain. And you know that there would have been a lot of uh people that would have been pissed if mm-hmm. they wouldn't have nominated it. And so in that sense, it probably deserves it, like yeah. that it, it should have been nominated. And I would say that this, I think 2018 was a pretty weak year overall for movies. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I've seen, so what, I don't even remember what all the nominations are. I don't think I've seen one. I, I, could, I can't remember I the last time up, but, that yeah. I saw that the Oscar nominations came out and I hadn't seen a single one of them for, mm. uh, for Best Picture. Yeah. That it just was not a very good year for movies, I don't think. No. And I think 2019 will be better, though. But Agreed. The... There's just not that many like mainstream movies that come out anymore that fit that mold. No. That they traditionally have used. You Usually know? all the Oscar nominated for like Best Picture, they're all kind of the 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 ones that just do what the the Hollywood like elites want to see. Yeah. They're not necessarily like the popular ones. Well, I don't know how many times the movie that I wanted to win has ever won. Yeah. I mean, maybe once and you when you might say that means like oh maybe you're just not cultured or you know you don't want to go see movies that are not fan service well it's like that movie that won last year like do you uh, what was it called the something about water oh uh, the fish movie shape shape of water yeah where the girls like having sex with the fish thing yeah i didn't see that movie um, and it was but i knew that's what, what happened in the movie yeah it's just like no i don't think anybody even knew like what what it was outside of the just like the weirdness of it and it's like yeah. it that movie the movie i remember from that year is get out like i said if but that's like it, i don't know it, it's a whole other thing like it's it, it yeah i don't know it's get out was the best movie of 2017 that's all i have to say <laughs> all right can't wait for us it's gonna be another great one too all right uh next mailbag question bc clone asks if you had one year to do as you wanted what would you do what does that mean so i i, I think he means basically you you don't have job responsibilities you get a year off from doing anything with Cyclone Fanatic. You get to do whatever you want. You have no obligations. So I'm, I must say that like you, you, you continue making money at the same rate that you usually would. So you can't do anything too outrageous. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you just just don't to, do anything. Yeah. yeah. Have some sort of sabbatical of sorts. So what would you do? Do you have any anything that comes to mind? I think I'd probably just like pack up and leave. You know, just go around. So where where would be like a couple of the first places you'd want to go? I don't know. I just start heading. I just start heading west. Honestly, start driving. Like and just like go around in a in a van. Yeah, in my (laughs) yeah in my Volkswagen van. Yeah. Uh, whenever I wanted to sleep, I'd just pull over on the side of the road and I'd just you know post up, maybe pitch a little tent, and I'd sleep under the stars, like in the Montana you know yeah wilderness honestly i think that'd be really fun too just like getting out and doing a, a big old road trip yeah i think it'd be cool just to to have just a year where it's like i'm not i don't have any plan yeah like i'm just doing well, i'm going wherever i want to go and like you hear about something it's like all right i'm going something go. else i'd i'd love to do and i'd have to really you know it, again if i didn't make more than i already make i had to be watching the budget but you could do something really cool with um going around and seeing MLB stadiums. That's cuz that's one of the things I want to do. I want to go to every MLB stadium at mm-hmm. some point in my life. So I think uh I'd try to knock out all if not just or most if not all of those stadiums in yeah. here. I mean it'd be something like that. Like so. I'd just go around and like like I said, I wouldn't really have a plan. It's just like, okay. Guess I'm going there now. Yep. You know, I'm just kind of float in the wind mm-hmm. and eventually just end up back here and it's kind of like the same thing as andy bernard in the office when he leaves for his boat his yeah boat venture you come back all oh, you've got a big long beard you know you're you're tanned it'd be like out. it'd be like when forrest ran from coast to coast <laughs> yeah. uh just without the running yeah without you know without the like physical exertion yeah all right we'll do hot knot when we come back you're listening to stands and fits presented by the ivy college of business at iowa state university 
from the Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios. Hey guys, it's Chris interrupting this podcast because, you know, everybody wants to know that I get it asked all the time. How can we help Psych One Fanatic? Well, you help Psych One Fanatic by you support our advertisers and everybody needs to be aware of eye care. I wasn't for a long time and I went to Ames Eye Care and they really helped me out. It's changed my life. I don't have headaches the way that I did. You've heard me talk about this. They're also in Des Moines at Des Moines Eye Care. And you need to think about this with your family. Get the kids checked out. Encourage the wife. Anything. Personalized eye care. Designer eyewear. I've got these sweet Maui gym glasses that I use at work all the time. People think they look awesome. They meet your whole family's vision needs at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Check them out today and support Cyclone Fanatic. Time for Hot Knot. I'll go first. Do it. Uh, My hot this week. I assume you saw this. Matthew McConaughey is now uh, basically an honorary assistant coach for Texas basketball. I, I when I did see this, I was kind of shocked. He was actually on the bench, like on the sidelines. Yeah, and he's just like chilling. What the heck? Well, I don't know if he was on the bench. I mean, he was right in the vicinity. At yeah, least, you he was know? right and where like, the bench would end. Yeah, and dude, the best thing was that there was. I don't know. I didn't watch the game. I just saw it on Twitter, but it looked like he. Uh, like Texas was on a run or something and he walked up to a player and like told him to stand up and start cheering while all the rest of his teammates were. And I was like, I was like, man, what, what is he doing? Cause they, they won that game. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the clout that you have to have to just walk on the bench and be like, yo, stand up, man. Like get up. And, and if Matthew McConaughey comes and tells you to stand up, like you're not going to say no. All right. All right. All right. You're yeah. Stand up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. And the way he like had his hands on his hips, he looks like a college basketball coach. He does. Honestly, if he, if he put on a suit and just kind of like started going out there and yelling at people on the floor, yeah. he could definitely fit in. And that guy, he makes me think of what, like a guy who's like upstart junior college coach or something like yeah. in West Texas, you yeah. know, at UTEP or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then like he wins wins some games his first year and then just like starts this meteoric rise up the profession <laughs> and gets a big job and then just like uh flatlines and ends up like falling back to some like lower level you know i think we need to write a script about something along these lines with matthew mcconaughey in the, in the lead as a coach in mind yeah the fact that matthew mcconaughey now that i've seen that the fact matthew mcconaughey has not made a basketball movie is a gross misstep on the part of hollywood agreed because he, we've seen him be a coach before you know in 2020 in we are marshall our movie featuring matthew mcconaughey as a head coach will be nominated for an oscar book it who would we we'd have to get someone to be the bag man like who would be matthew mcconaughey's bag man bag man probably like jonah hill or something like that man jonah hill actually would be really good at that yeah exactly just make him look really sleazy like with his hair yeah all slicked back like in a jumpsuit and he's like at the AAU tournaments just like sitting on the side toothpick in his mouth (laughs) and just like you know patrolling for uh for whatever shoe company matthew mcconaughey would have uh representing his school Mm -hmm. i think we might really have something here i I think so too i have to think on that a little bit more yeah for sure all right uh what's your hot this week uh my hot this week is Mariano Rivera, first MLB player to ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame with a unanimous vote, which this, is pretty incredible. If you it think is. About it. it is incredible. And I saw like the highest percentage for first ballot guys. And it was actually really funny to me to look at it and see. So it's like, obviously, there's more voters. There's been more voters added. So like King Griffey Jr. before this was the most. He had like 96% or something like that. Yep. And then there's like Ty Cobb who had like 95%. It was like four people left him off the ballot or like Babe Ruth, 11 people left Babe Ruth off the first hall of fame ballot. Yeah. Imagine being that guy, you know, like you're looking at your ballot and you're like, oh, man, Babe Ruth. Uh, I'm not sure if he deserves to get in. Right. Like I, I, I'm not sure if he's good enough. Were his contributions you know? to the game good enough? Right. Or Ken, like even Ken Griffey Jr. You're like, you're looking at it and it's like, he just doesn't make the cut this year. I don't know. Was, was he good enough? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm know, not I, sure. I, I am pretty certain I've heard the fact that uh, people who voted against King Griffey Jr. just did because they didn't want anyone getting in unanimously. That's the only reason they. So they then, didn't. why does Mario like? I don't know. It's stupid. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'm no, you're good. Out, yeah, you're yeah. Good. It's uh, it's it, it gets me hot too because it's like yeah, these guys are obvious Hall of Famers. Yeah, like first ballot Hall of Famers. They should be unanimously voted. Yeah, and yeah, I just thought that was weird. Uh, yeah. Well, and then like a guy like Mike Messina, like what? Yeah. What, what's he getting in over? I mean, some other people. I saw his name. Like I saw he got in and I was like, 
I mean, he's a good player. All I right. Say yeah, he's, he's I don't that special. Right. Like, I don't remember Mike Nasina being like a guy that you watch. And you're like, man, I'm watching a Hall of Famer right now. <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. And I know Edgar Martinez is a guy for a long time that people have really been pushing to get in. So I wasn't surprised to see him, mm-hmm. but I was really happy to see that Roy Halladay got in. Yeah, for sure. And um, the thing I was thinking though, just based on the way that those voters are, because you. <laughs> Back to what we were talking about, whatever that was, two weeks ago. Mm. I don't know if there's any like any demographic of humans that might be more annoying than some of those guys that vote for the for the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, you know, some of them are so far up their own butts. It's, yeah, it's, it's, and just insane. like their like their level of importance that they think they have for themselves. Like just you can t- like you can see it on Twitter like yeah. sometimes, and like you'll see some of their ballots and you're like, what the hell? Like who are you voting for? You know? Yep. And uh, but to see him get in. I wasn't sure that he would mm. on the first time. And honestly, I'm not sure if everything that had happened hadn't happened uh, if he would have. Mm. But the fact that he did, the guy deserved it. He's one of the best pitchers that I ever watched. Agreed. He was always really fun to play with and MLB the show. Yeah. So. Oh, he was unstoppable, dude. Yeah. And I remember still watching back when I watched baseball all the time. I still remember watching his uh, playoff no hitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he was as good as a as you could find in in the game yep. for a long time and though those teams were seemed unbeatable mm-hmm. you know that year that the cardinals beat them it was like oh my god like how they just beat this team yeah that was a big with, upset with him and cliff lee and cole hamels and i mean they were they, they were stacked yeah they were they were really really all good. in the, all in those guys prime too right yeah exactly and that's the problem for holiday i think was that one he was on crappy teams in toronto yep so that hurt his wins and stuff like that and then by he like didn't pitch that long, you know. He retired relatively young mm-hmm. in in the grand scheme of things when you think about guys. At least if I remember correctly, I'd have to look it up for sure. But I'm yep. pretty sure he was a relatively young guy when he stopped playing. But yeah, cool to see uh Mariano Rivera go in on his uh first time. You know Derek Jeter will probably be unanimous whenever he comes up. Yeah, exactly. Um my not this week. It's been a it's been a cup. Uh, tough uh, week and a half for my guy Ja Rule. Uh, he first two years ago, he is swindled, bamboozled, scammed by a psychopath uh, out of his dignity, uh, tarnishing his legacy. Now he has to see documentaries made about it, continuing to trash one of the great artists in the history of the United States of America. It's just sad. It it's sad. I, I'm it 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 like makes me ill to see bad things being said about the great American rapper Ja Rule. <laughs> I wish I could add something on this, but I honestly have like no knowledge at whatsoever. You need to watch on, those documentaries, on, on ja Rule, dude. So you need to watch those documentaries. Uh, Chris texted me this. I put this in there like it. I don't know, 445. Mm. He texted me at 507. He said, it's really disappointing how this whole Firefest thing is going to taint Ja Rule's legacy. <laughs> uh, you two are two peas in the pod, dude. And I was like, I just thought, I was like, man, you're right, dude. And like I said, I, okay, I was being a little sarcastic there, but uh, he, um, I don't think that the like scamming people and stuff, I don't think Ja had a huge role in that but i think that's also because jaw's like so unself-aware that he doesn't even like i don't think he would even known to know that they're like scamming people you know yeah and uh yeah it's just funny to watch the documentaries that's a guy you can really tell likes to be famous (laughs) yeah i'll Uh, I'll have to give it a watch sometime yeah you definitely should all right so i couldn't think of a knot this week so what i did is i asked my wife who's been at home uh the last two days excuse me, three days, first Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Okay. Um, and then two snow days in a row. I asked her for knots and the, she gave me a list of four. I will just quickly run down uh, her knot suggestions. First one was the Patriots being in the Super Bowl again. I think we can all agree on that. That's yep. a knot. Yep. Snow. I uh, don't like the snow. Even though the snow gave her two days off, she still listed that as a knot. Not a huge fan of snow either. Not a big fan of snow. Movies about Nazis. Um, so apparently while she was at home, she watched a few movies that had Nazis in them. And apparently if you've seen one movie with Nazis in it, you've seen them all according to her. So that's, that's one of her Nazis week. Okay. And this last one, which I think we might spend a little bit of time discussing panties with a crack open. And now I, I must, uh, explain what these are. 
I don't know if you know what they are. No, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> so when, when she's home alone, she likes to online shop. Mm-hmm. Obviously, girls, many, many women like to shop for underwear. Mo- most, you probably would assume. I would assume. Um, apparently on the website Adore Me, which is women's lingerie website, they're really taking a turn. I know. <laughs> um, there are women's underwear available that are basically like a reverse thong. So if you think about where a thong, oh man, where okay. a thong covers yeah. up, okay, yeah, yeah, you okay. do the opposite of that. Okay. So wherever a thong would have open, that's covered. But the place where a thong would have covered, that is open. So that that's like apparently a thing, and my wife does not like that. So she submitted that for a knot this week. So this is the first and probably only time that uh, panties with the crack open will appear as a knot on Sands of Fitz. That makes me uncomfortable. Sorry. Uh, we got to give the equipment to Dan. So All right. uh, we'll, so no, no would you rather this week? We, no then? would you rather this All week. Right. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll end it on that very high note. There. We'll end it on that note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to uh, Carl, Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios. Uh, thanks to the professional MBA program at Ivy College Business at Iowa State for being the presenting sponsor of the podcast. We will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully not about any... Uh, about really interesting things. Hopefully <laughs> about no more uh, jaw Rule slander and... Women's lingerie. Ass crack panties or whatever that <laughs> you said. I don't remember. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Beat the Rebels. Peace.